through the valley, through the test, and he brought us through it. He gave us a, a testimony. So we should tell it from the mountaintop that God had delivered, God has set free. Good morning, Shiloh. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord just one more time. Let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. He's worthy of the praise. Hallelujah. He's worthy of the glory. Hallelujah. He's worthy of all that I have. All my being belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. May be seated. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah. We praise him for his blood. I greet you joyfully in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will, we will rejoice and be glad in it. I give you honor in the name of our Bishop, Reverend Dr. Bishop Benjamin Keith Watts, and our leading lady, Lady Cynthia Watts, and they're absent. So you know if they're not here, we should be praying for them because they're doing kingdom-building work. Hallelujah. To my fellow ministers and deaconess deacons and to you, my brothers and sisters, let us pray. God, we, your people, we give you honor and we give you praise, Lord. And we thank you for this most holy word that comes forth this morning, God, that it will fall on fertile ground, God, and it will take root and bring forth much fruit. And let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The scripture reading comes from Numbers. Please stand if you're able. Numbers chapter 27. Numbers chapter 27, verses 1 through 8. I'm coming from the, the Message Bible. Amen? The daughters of Zelophehad showed up. Their father was a son of Hepher, son of Gilead, son of Maker, son of Manasseh, belonging to the clans of Manasseh, son of Joseph. The daughters were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Tazar. They came to the entrance of the tent of meeting. They stood before Moses and Eleazar, the priests, and before the leaders in the congregation and said, Our father died in the wilderness. He wasn't part of Korah's rebel anti-God game. He died for his sins and he left no sons. But why should our father name die out from his clan just because he had no sons? So give us an inheritance among our father's relatives. Moses brought their case to God. God ruled. The Losephat daughters are right. Give them land as an inheritance among their father's relatives. Give them their father's inheritance. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be unto God. You may be seated. My sermon topic today is an inheritance worth 
fighting for. Can you say that for me? An inheritance? One more time. An inheritance worth fighting for. Hallelujah. Sometimes we grow weary in well-doing. We get tired of fighting. We fight against the education system, the judicial system. Sometimes we feel like Sophia played by Oprah in The Color Purple. The Color Purple was written by Alice Walker, and she won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction. And Sophia said, all my life I had to fight. I fought my brothers and I fought my uncle, and now I'm fighting Harpo. So we seem sometimes that we have to fight, but we, sometimes we get just tired of fighting. We think that we should have to fight our own kin. We think that we should be able to rest in peace, but it wasn't so for the daughters of Zulafafad. They had to fight. They had to fight. But God owns a, a cattle on a thousand hills. And even though it seems like most of us have stopped fighting for that 40 acres in a, moo, in a mule, we know that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and, and this is the inheritance worth fighting for. So the five daughters of Zelophehad had a inheritance worth fighting for in the time of Moses. This was near the end of Israel's 40-year wilderness journey. And so the first thing I want to point out that they did, and it's in the scripture, is that the daughters of Zelophehad, they, they showed up. So I think that one important note is that as inheritance worth fighting for, that we should first show up and fight. We should not let anything choke our collective power. Uh, their father, their father were the son of the tribe of Manasseh, and this come from the tribe of Joseph. And all five daughters, they showed up uh, together, declaring that they represented the household of Joseph. It is important to realize that the children of Israel who escaped slavery in Egypt had not made it to the promised land of Canaan. These three, five women, they showed up by faith to claim their rights to the promised land, that land of, of milk and honey. Faith they had, things are hoped for, and evidence of things not seen. I don't have to see it to have faith that it's going to come to pass. And, and that's the kind of faith that we need today, no matter how it look like. If you don't have a job, just show up at the job interview prepared. If you, if you do have a job, show up at the evaluation prepared. These five sisters, they showed up. They wasn't afraid. Collectively, they showed up with strength and power. And that is evident in, in their inheritance of their father, the loaferhead. His name itself, it meant protection against fear. Some battles we fight, we fight with our praying and we pray, practice pray internally, we, we pray in our closet, but there's some battles that have to be holistic. We need both body, soul, and mind. So these women, they showed up, 
I'm sure that they prayed before showing up. But I declare and decree that sometimes you have to put your feet to your prayers. You have to take it to the street. Sometimes you have to show up. When I think about showing up, I, I think about collective power. And when I think of collective power, I think about even people in our congregation today. Uh, we think about the Martin Luther King Jr. Scholarship Fund. We have courageous men and women. They're showing up at a corporation. They're showing up at civic and community organization for sponsorship. They're showing up at schools for MLK recipients. They are fighting for future inheritances. They're showing up. It's important. We keep our lot, our inheritance in our head. Sometimes we keep, do you understand what I'm saying? We keep our inheritance in our head. I think I'm going to go to college. I think I'm going to get this job. I think I'm going to prepare for this and that. I think I'm going to prepare for that. And we keep it in our head. We can think our lifetime on earth away. This usually happens in isolation. So we usually think of the term man up, individual, man up and do what you have to do, and, and woman up, do what you have to do. We even sometimes, and I, I don't like this term, but we usually say put, put your big boy or your big girls, and I just use the word pants on. We do this when we want to inspire someone individually. But these five women, they showed up collectively. They wasn't going to let anyone choke their collective power. So I want you to get a new term. Instead of woman up, and use it instead of man up, when we talk about our collective power, there's a new term I want you to use, and I want you to repeat it. We want to use the word sister up and brother up. That is a collaboration and cooperation with our fellow brothers and sisters. The Bible tells us to be strong and of good courage, to do not fear. And also tells us that when two or three are gathered together in my name, I am the midst of them. So say sister up and brother up. Though one may be empowered by another, one person, they could be empowered by another. Two can withstand the enemy and the wiles of the enemy. And a threefold cord is not quickly bro broken. So just tell yourself, I am my sister keeper. I am my brother keeper. There are some battles in your life where you can handle in the prayer closet. There are other battles where you need to show up and fight collective power, letting purpose abound, not being choked by darts of discord. Now, what can choke you when you're together collectively, when you're in a meeting, whether it's NWACP or NCNW, or, or it could be the street ministry, or it could be the usher board? What things, when you come together, what things cause you not to sister up and brother up? Can you think of anything at all? Or do we all, when we go to these meetings, we're looking out for our fellow sister and brother. We're talking to them as if it was ourselves and we're talking to them in love. Even when we have discord and we disagree with them, we say it in a way that is respectful so you can walk away and they can receive what you said that may be different from themselves, but they received it in love and they can go home and ponder it instead of saying, you know, you're wrong and, and I don't understand understand this and why do you say that and they go back and the word is choked 
So we don't want, we want to show up at the meeting and we don't want our collective power to be choked. Hallelujah. Once the five daughters showed up, the next thing that they did, and it's in the scripture, they came to the entrance of the tent of meeting. They stood before Moses and Eleazar, the priests, and before the leaders in the congregation. These women showed up because they were counted out in the second census. The first census of the Israel took, uh, uh, it, it took place the second year of the 40-year journey. The second census took place two years before they exit out of the wilderness. So the, the second point I want to make is an inheritance worth fighting for. You have to stand up and fight. Let nothing choke your, your covenant promises. So they stood up. In the second census that happened, all these senses, what happened was that they counted all the men years age 20 and over. And these were the men who would be ready to fight in battle. And so the women were not counted. And so what we had is that we had the daughters, that five daughters, they weren't being counted. They didn't have any brothers. And so their inheritance was going to go to uh, their uncles and their relatives. But they said, not so. I don't remember the covenant being like that. I don't remember. So I'm going to stand up. I'm going to go before the priest. I'm not going to be afraid. We're already here anyway. We showed up, right? We have that collective power. We're already here. So I'm going to stand up and fight for my rights. I am not going to let anyone, the census taker or anyone, take my promises away. So... The covenant was between Abraham and God, and this covenant is interesting. If the covenant was about a promised land of Canaan to Abraham and his seed, to all of his descendants, all, did I, say, did I say just men? I said all, all of his descendants, and the seed to the promise of all. So that's what God told Abraham. So what is going on is that I am a daughter of Zelophehad. I don't remember just men, but if we have two years before we go into the promised land, if I don't bring this before the priest, if I don't bring this before Moses, then what's going to happen is that I'm going to lose my inheritance. Has anyone ever had an inheritance that they lost? You know, I, I'm a financial advisor, so I see lost inheritance all the time. I do. I see people who get an inheritance, they may be the state, and they, they decide that their brothers and sisters are fighting over this piece of land, and I just don't feel like fighting. And so I'm just going to give it to them. I'm not going to stand up for my rights. There's other people with inheritance. They don't stand up for their rights when they, when they don't do certain things on their estate planning. They don't go and make sure that they have a, a beneficiary in all their accounts. They don't go and make sure that they have a, a primary beneficiary and a secondary beneficiary and then the right people are named. They don't go to make sure of that. So they inherit, they don't stand up for their rights in the, in the forefront. So we have to, we have to make sure that all of our descendants are counted and no one is left out. Amen? 
And so the third point, after they showed up and they stood up, an inheritance worth fighting for, you need to speak up and fight. Don't let nothing choke your, your covenant promises. Uh, the five daughters of Zelophehad was from the house of Joseph. The house of Joseph was just one of 12 tribes. And that tribe, Joseph's tribes, were broken up into two halves. Joseph's Joseph tribe was the the house of Ephraim and the house of Manasseh. And they had 32,500 men over age 20 in Ephraim. And, and Manasseh, where the daughters come under, they had over 52,700 uh, tribe as far as fighting in the army. So if you add up 32,500 and 52,700, what do you get? You get 85,200, 85,200. And, and, and this is important because the daughters of Zohar, I'm sorry, the, the five daughters, they came from the tribe of Joseph and they had over 85,200 people. 12 tribes, one had 85. The total number was 603 1,550, all 12 tribes only had 603,000 total. So what is 85 divided by 60? How many, what percent is that? Mm. It's a large percent, that's what it is. <coughs> so the census, what they did was, the census, you got the amount of land depending on how many people was in the tribe. And so Manasseh, tribe had a lot of people and they wouldn't get a, a lot of land so they came up and they spoke up and they fought because it was it was important land is valuable it was one of the most valuable thing at that time and so what we do today is that we have things that are valuable we have god's favor that is laid out for us, our inheritance God has given us, and we may have one favor here, but because we don't want to show up and, and stand up and speak up, we leaving the other half on the table, and we get to December 31st, and we say, I didn't see my double favor. I didn't see it. I, I, I didn't see it. It could be because you didn't show up. It could be because you didn't stand up. It could be before you, because you didn't speak up for your inheritance. That which is here right now. Hallelujah. So what we have is that they, they spoke up and they fought, fought for their, 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 their land. But you know, there's some issues sometimes with inheritance. Sometimes inheritance has a stipulation. God wanted the people of Israel to, to serve him and be obedient to him. And so what the women did, they didn't come crawling on their knees or, or come crying. They came with a purpose in mind. They came with wisdom. They came with knowledge. They answered the question even before it was asked of them. They came and they said, our father died in the wilderness. And they didn't wait to say, well, didn't you have someone who was against God? They said, our father, he wasn't part of Korah's rebel anti-God game. 
He died for his own sins and he left no sons. So he didn't plot against God and, 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 and with the tribe of, of Korah. He was one that believed in God. He had his own shortcomings, but he didn't plot against God. And, and so we are part of this inheritance because we still believe that God promises truth. And they wanted to know what is going on. You said, "What's going on?" I he, but why? Why should our father's name die from his clan just because he had no son? They did not say, "Well, you know what? Will you please? What do you think? You think?" we should be able to get our inheritance. Will you please give us our inheritance? You know, we, we're, not, we're, we're not men, but we want you to just have grace and mercy and do this. They did not come with the intent of asking. They said, so give us an inheritance among our father's relatives. And God ruled. He ruled that the daughters of Zelophehad, they were right. He said, give them the land as an inheritance among the father. Give them the father inheritance. And so what happened was that God changed the written standards. He never changed his verbal promise. So that means that sometimes we take a look at, on the printed page and, and we say, um, yes, women get 70% of the wage of men and, and that's the way it is. So I guess that's the way it should be. But God said a person is worthy of their hire. He didn't say a man was worthy of their hire. So sometimes we look at what has gone on for traditions and we just stay in that. And we don't show up and we don't stand up and we don't speak up. There's many opportunities instead of just running into your president's office and saying, I work hard just like a man. Give me my raise. There's time of opportunities where you, you do one thing and you put it in the file. You do the second thing and you put it in the file. You do the third thing and you put it in the file. You write up your credentials and why you are worthy. And you, so you come prepared and you come and you say, this is what those in my position are getting. This is what I have. This is the fact. And this is what I am worth. Yes, 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 yes. And, and so I am requesting a raise. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they came with wisdom. They came with knowledge, with all their, what they could say, ducks in order. And they presented their case before the priests. And God says, it is so. Do you want God to say, it is so in your life this, this now? God can say, it is so, my child. It is so, my sister. It is so, my brother. I have an inheritance for you. You need to come and claim it. It's yours for the asking. It's yours for the asking. So this is not a, 
a message of feel good. This is a, a message of action that you have to do in your, in your daily life. I remember about five years ago, those of you who have known me for a long time, you know that I'm very shy, not talk at all. Deacon and Phyllis, you remember, I didn't start speaking up until I was in my 30s. Not until my 30s. I wish I'd heard this sermon when I was 15. What I started doing was I, when I was in a meeting, I was thinking something, something and, I, and I was thinking, oh, no, you know, this may offend someone or, you know, this is not going to go through uh, or this is not going to be accepted. I decided that I would get the facts of whatever's going on in meetings or at school or at work, and I would just, well, I would think about it. I used to think about it and think about it and think about it. And, and, and I used to play softball as a side note. I used to play softball. We still have some people in here think they can play better than me, but that's okay, sister good. <laughs> Shallow used to have a, a softball league, and I was the pitcher. So you, if you're batting and I pitch, it'd be strike one. That's okay. You got two more. Strike two. You got one more. What you gonna do then? Three strikes, you out. Where am I going with this? I wish there was a rule that said three thinking you're out. It's over. <laughs> Thought one, okay. Thought two, oh, that's okay. No thought three. Hit the ball. Sh show up. Stand up. And speak up. Hit the ball. Hallelujah. The last point I have is a new inheritance worth fighting for is to, is to suit up and fight. Let nothing choke your Christian presence. This is a new inheritance. We had the sons, of, the daughters of Zohephaphat. They had the Old Testament of a promised land, of land to them and their descendants, as far as you can see. But we have a new testament. We have a new covenant, a, a covenant that says that Jesus Christ, God, only son, he died and he rose again. This is a, a new inheritance. And, and in this new inheritance, we have to fight the good fight of faith. Uh, we have to hold on to eternal life to, to give you what give to which you are called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So when we fight the good fight, we have to suit up and fight. So how, how do we suit up? Uh, Reverend Hall, she, she wrote a book talking about the, the armor of God. And, and, she's, and in that book and in the Bible, in Ephesians, it tells you about putting on the whole armor of God. It says you need to gird your waist with the belt of truth. You need to put on the breastplate of righteousness and have your feet shotted with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You need to have the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and, and to be spirit-filled with prayer, to put on the whole armor of God. So this is another point that it's not about just feeling good. It's about doing. You showed up this morning. And when the preacher comes and opens the altar, and you search your heart and said, I 
Have you thought anything? And say, <laughs> what would you say when they, when they open the altar? What would you say? The first thing you think about is, am I saved? Not just am I saved, but do I have the surety of salvation? I know for a fact that all the people that's in the room, I know for a fact that there's one person in here who's not sure of their salvation. I know it. Do you believe that? It's, got, it's one person in this room that's not sure of their salvation. But I'm asking you this morning that collectively together, you already showed up, and we collected together are praying for you, whoever you are, that you have the courage, just like these five women. You showed up already. You're here. You, you're in the midst of a family. You're here. We have your back. There's power here. To have the courage to stand up, walk to the front, and speak up. And said, what must I do to be saved? Yes. Hallelujah. You thought about it, and you thought about it, and you thought about it, and you thought about it. This is the day that God has called you. Hallelujah. So... What are we going to do? Do you think it's just for that one person here that's not saved? The altar is open for salvation this morning. This is Lenten season. This is a time of consecration, a time of prayer, a time of drawing closer to the Lord. Not only will the altar be open for salvation this morning, it'll be open up for your requests. If you need to draw closer to the Lord and you can identify what that need is, I'm going to invite you this morning, too, to, to come to the altar and, and the ministers will, will pray with you this morning. I am telling you this message is about showing up, standing up, coming forward, speaking up, and claiming your inheritance. This day that you are here right now, God said this is the day that you come forth and you claim it. We do not have to wait until the concentration is over, until Easter Sunday. We know that Jesus will raise up from the grave, that he will ascend, but we know, we know. We know, we know, we know, we know that we don't have to wait. The hour is now. This is the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, let's bless the Lord for the word this morning by our elder Shaw.